What would it take to make your faith unshakable? And, and is that even possible? Today on Creation Magazine Live, we'll give you some guidelines for a solid faith. Get ready for another faith-building audio podcast brought to you by your friends at creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. I'm Richard Fangrad. And I'm Alexander Osborne. What would it take to make your faith unshakable? Have you ever thought about that? In this next half hour, we'll give you some guidelines, some things to think about concerning your faith mm. that we think will really benefit your walk with Christ. Yes, yeah. Our focus won't be as much on the wonderful science that supports the Bible as it usually is. It'll be more of a how to apply this to your life type of thing that we, we trust will be right. helpful. Right. Actually, that's what we do as a ministry. Yes. It's not just cool facts and science that support Scripture. God uses this stuff to change lives. He does. And it's those changed lives that CMI is really all about. That's right, yeah. So we'll talk about a number of things related to making your faith unshakable. To wrap our heads around this, let's start by defining faith. What do we mean right. by that? There are different kinds of faith. And then we'll focus on that one that as Christians, we want that one to be unshakable. Right. We'll cover four kinds of faith here. And this is not exhaustive, by the way. Right. You could yeah. likely think of more but let's start with the lowest level of faith, irrational faith. Right. <laughs> That's believing something when the evidence points in a different direction. The belief is opposite the evidence. Right, right. And we did a show on this a few years ago titled The Irrational Faith of Evolution. Yeah. We showed how with the massive amount of scientific and historical support for biblical creation, it's irrational to believe that the universe is the product of natural laws and random processes with no intelligent design. It is, yeah. Mark Twain, the famous author, wrote, Faith is believing what you know ain't so. Now, <laughs> that is a great definition of irrational faith. Right. You know something, yet you believe the opposite. Right. right. For example, you know that if, if you're at the edge of a cliff, you know that thin air will not support the weight of a human, yet you step off anyways, believing that somehow you're not going to fall to your death. Right? right. That's irrational. Yeah, and that's crazy, right? <laughs> yes. Yet in that previous episode, we gave examples to verify that belief in evolution really is irrational. Yeah. It goes against scientific evidence that points in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. Now, it's, it's ironic that many evolution believers say they follow science. Right. But if evolutionists really did follow the science where it leads, they'd be creationists. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Blind faith is the next kind of faith. Blind faith is a leap into the dark. There's no evidence or experience to warrant this kind of faith. Now, Christians are often caricatured, right, as having this kind of faith. All the time. Yeah. Most non-Christians <laughs> think we check our brains at the church door and ignore logic and reason. That's what Christianity is all about, yeah. right? But that's not true, of course. It, no. But there you have the third kind of faith. Yeah, the next kind of faith or, or, or level of faith, as you like. And this is the kind that everyone has, by right. the way. This is warranted faith or human faith. It's a faith that's warranted by evidence or by human experience. For example, you have a warranted faith that when you go to a restaurant and you eat the food they put in front of you, it's not going to kill you, right? right? That's, that's what kind of faith that is. Right, and we could mention that this kind of faith is related to apologetics, yes. which is giving a reasoned defense of biblical the truth. Faith, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but apologetics goes beyond human faith. It involves actively collecting evidence to show that the statements made by God and the events recorded there in the Bible are logical and true. 
Right. Now that could be labeled reasonable faith. That's a slightly different category of faith. It's not included in our list of four here today, right. but it's related to warranted faith. Right. And the Apostle John actually states that the reason he wrote his account of the life of Jesus is to supply evidence that would lead people to a reasonable faith in Christ, right. which yep. would lead to salvation. In John 20, 30 to 31, he writes this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But here it is. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Yeah, if you want an example of that, an example of warranted or reasonable faith, that's, that's uh, an example is doubting Thomas. Yeah, and, and that's right. i got to say... And, <laughs> Almost every time I hear pastors discuss this, I get annoyed, right? right? That we shouldn't need evidence, that we should just believe as Christians. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with the, with the account of, of doubting Thomas, so-called, after Jesus dies and comes back to life, almost all of the apostles doubted. Right. Then Jesus visits them alive, and they believe. But Thomas isn't there. Right. They tell Thomas about it, and he says, unless I see him and examine the evidence firsthand, I'm not going to believe. Right. right, but the other disciples were in exactly—they were exactly the same as him. They were in the same boat. They didn't believe either right. until they saw the evidence firsthand. Right, and that actually sounds reasonable, almost scientific. Yes, right? <laughs> he wasn't taking people's word for it. After all, they all knew Jesus was dead. Yeah, we should all be like Thomas. Right. After examining <laughs> the evidence for the risen Christ, he came to a rational, logical, evidence-based conclusion. Yes. And the only one that made sense, his response was, my Lord and my God. Yes, a, a, an appropriate response, right. right? Yeah. Thomas, like the other disciples, had a warranted or a reasonable faith. There's an example of that. After they examined the evidence that Jesus was alive. But there's one more level of faith, the highest, most sure faith. Right, and that's what could be labeled biblical faith. Yes. Ephesians 2, 8-9 describes this kind of faith. This is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, biblical faith doesn't originate with us. Yeah. It's not your own doing. It's not a result of works. Saving faith is a gift from God. Yes. Yeah, Hebrews 11.1, 1, the famous faith chapter, defines this sort of faith right there in verse 1. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The, the faith described here is of the most solid possible conviction. It's a God-given assurance of a future reality. That's beyond right. warranted or reasonable faith that's based on empirical evidence. In other words, it's beyond what is scientifically supported. Right. Right. Yeah. Science has limits, by yeah, the way, to what right. it can prove. <laughs> this is a work of the Spirit only available to Christians, those who've been regenerated by the Spirit. Right. Let's talk about increasing your faith. Now, when we talk about growing your faith or increasing your faith, we're not talking about biblical faith. Biblical faith is from God. It's just there or it isn't. Uh, so we can leave that one aside for today's discussion. Right. So let's focus on warranted faith or reasonable faith. Yes. The kind of faith John mentioned at the end of his gospel. He mentioned that he wrote down information about Jesus, what he said, what he did, so that his readers would react with a certain belief, right? right? Yep. That they would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life, life in, in his, his name. name. Yes. And that's an informed belief. That's isn't right. It? It's an yeah. evidence-based belief 
that lead that that can lead to salvation. That's right. Having an unshakable Christian faith involves working through the doubts and questions about the truth and accuracy of Scripture. Yes. By honestly examining the evidence for it. Right? Yes. One of the events that people struggle to believe is how Jesus could die and come back to life. Right. John emphasizes at one point the evidence that Jesus really died. He said he witnessed the result of the spear that was thrust into Jesus' side. Right. Jesus really was dead. And then he records details about Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. Right. And many people, even atheists, have carefully examined those events, and the logical, rational, evidence-based conclusion is that Jesus actually died yes. and returned to life. Right? Yes. Doubts are swept away after considering the evidence. God used that and they became Christian. And that's a key to working toward an unshakable faith. Whether you're a Christian or not, like some atheists you just mentioned. Right. Where do you doubt scripture? Mm -hmm. Many people have many doubts about the events recorded in Genesis. Lots right. of doubts there, creation and the flood. Their faith is shaky in that area, or they have no faith at all. They just don't believe it at all. Right, yeah, and even if creation isn't your thing, or you're not into science, your faith will still grow when you learn about the evidence that supports the Bible's claims in those areas, Yes, right? yeah, for example, people around the world have seen their faith strengthened as a result of this TV show. That's right. So what is it about what CMI does and this TV show, what we do here, that is moving people toward having an unshakable faith? Let's hear from some of our viewers. What did they say about the value of these shows? Right, and we have here three comments from viewers that were made during the coronavirus restrictions from March to May of 2020. See if you notice a common theme here. So one viewer writes, As usual, thank you, CMI. Excellent, desperately needed content. Someone else said, Awesome content. Keep up the amazing content. And one more said, once again, you guys knock it out of the park in terms of information. The common theme here is content, content right? right? Yeah, and, and we get lots of other comments that are similar to those. People are blessed by the information. Their faith is becoming more unshakable because of information. And we often tell people when we're out at churches speaking that we're an information ministry. That's right. Yeah, and I mean, there are many valuable Christian ministries around the world, mission sure, yeah. organizations, Bible study ministries, ministries that defend a certain set of truths. Creation Ministries International wants to get faith-building information out into the church and the world as much as possible in an area where many people struggle with the questions about the Bible. Yes, Genesis and the creation evolution issue is an area where many Christians have huge doubts and many questions. That's right. Yeah. yeah, That's the bad news. But the really good news is that in this area of apologetics, Genesis, creation, evolution, over the past 40 years, there's been a huge amount of research done to work through the questions that arise when reading the Genesis text. Yes, yeah. Uh, let me explain a bit about the history here so you get an appreciation for the great advantage that we have today as Christians. That's right. 50, 60 years ago, many of the questions about Genesis or, or about the scientific discoveries that seemed to contradict Genesis really didn't have solid answers. That's right. The research hadn't been done. Uh, questions like, how do you explain light coming from distant galaxies in a young creation? What about radiometric dating, which appears to contradict the Genesis account? Where do dinosaurs fit into the Bible? Because they seem to have lived long before the Genesis right. time frame. Yep. What about bacteria that appear to evolve resistance to antibiotics? And hundreds more. Mm -hmm. Christians back then, could, they, they could either kind of like choose to live with this tension between 
what the discoveries in science seem to be saying and what scripture says. Right, so stick with scripture, right? And yes. live with these nagging doubts. Right, or, or just sort of shrug your shoulders and live with a certain level of ignorance. That was the other option. Right, or sadly, many abandon scripture altogether. Yes, yes, they're very sad. Yep. But today we have a very, very different situation, very That's positive right. situation. Yeah. Beginning in 1961 with the publishing of The Genesis Flood by John Whitcomb and Henry Morris, which electrified the Christian world with mm -hmm. its proposals for what a global flood might have accomplished geologically, That's the right. sorts of clues it would leave that could be investigated by people today. Right, and, and that book was the spark that ignited the fire. It really was. In 1970, yep. Dr. Henry Morris started ICR, the Institute for Creation Research, and many, many other creation groups started up in the late 70s and early 80s, right? Yep. This ministry in Canada began in 1978. Yep. In 1977, the founding office of CMI in Australia began. And more recently, we've seen creation museums start up all over the world. That's right? right. For the past four decades or so, there's been continuous and growing research done to find <coughs> biblically faithful and scientifically accurate answers to that's those right. nagging questions about Genesis. It's a great time to be a Christian. It is, right? yeah. That's Today, right. there's mountains of evidence that support the biblical record of God creating recently in six days followed by a global flood. Right. Christians can have, and, and many do, an unshakable faith that God's word is absolutely true. That's absolutely right. Can we plead with you to use this great faith-building information? Yes. Sign yourself up for Creation Magazine. Get a book. The Creation Answers book is a great book to begin with. Yeah, make an investment in your faith that has eternal rewards. A subscription to Creation Magazine costs about the equivalent of a cup of coffee a month. Right, right? that's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> One less cup of coffee per month for robust, growing, vibrant faith, a solid assurance that the Bible accurately describes the origin, purpose, and destiny of your life and the whole universe. Also, our website, creation.com, is a massive online storehouse of more than four decades of creation research. Yes by scientifically-minded researchers around the world. Yeah, we gotta say, look, the legwork has been done. Yep. No need to reinvent the That's wheel. Right. You don't need to stumble through the search for answers on your own. Learn from those who've gone before you, who've yeah. already done the work. Yeah. CMI currently employs the most PhD scientists of any Christian ministry, and we work with the global community of Bible-believing researchers and scientists. Right, and we try to employ as much as possible the principle in Proverbs 27, 17, which says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And Proverbs eleven fourteen, which says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. We try to have international collaboration, an abundance of counselors, if you will, right. to ensure scientific and biblical accuracy in the resources we produce and all the web content too. Yeah, and having or working toward an unshakable faith, it, that's a normal part of spiritual growth. That's right. M many people never get there, sadly, mm -hmm. so we have a lot of work to do. And by we, by the way, I mean us, CMI and you, us all. That's right. We all have a role to play in the body of Christ. Yeah. As an information ministry, we generate the faith-building information, articles, magazine, website, this TV show, and, and pump it out as much as we can, and then it's up to you. That's right. Take this information, grow your faith, mm -hmm. teach it to others, your family, relatives, people in your church. Right, that's, that's right. Like 
think of where you're at spiritually, because we're all at different stages in our walk with Christ, right? Right. Maybe you're, you're a long way from being able to teach this to others, especially if you're skeptical yourself. Maybe you've got questions or doubts. You're skeptical about things you've read in the Bible. Or, or maybe you just don't know much about God and His Word. Or you're a new Christian. Or maybe you're not a Christian yet. Yeah, the, the Bible tells us to work out our own salvation. That's right. It's a call to grow spiritually beyond where we are now. The Greek verb rendered work out means to continually work to bring something to fulfillment or completion. Right, and, and that's, that's not referring to work salvation. No. It refers to <laughs> believers' responsibility to actively pursue increased obedience in the process of sanctification. So as our faith increases in that area of warranted or reasonable faith, our actions and behavior will reflect our convictions more and more. Yeah, the, the next part of that verse reveals that it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his own good pleasure. So God ultimately gets the glory That's for right. any spiritual progress that we make. But our role is to pursue spiritual growth. That's right. Now, as our understanding of truth grows, as we come mm -hmm. to understand the origin and destiny of the world and who God is and who we are, our actions and lifestyle will change. That's right. So this is not just an intellectual exercise. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of it. That's really where it starts. It begins with the mental ascent of certain truths yes. in understanding of the way things really are. And then behavior follows belief, right? Yes, behavior follows belief. Right. And that applies, that applies to everything in life. That's right. Uh, a simple example. If my firm belief is that McDonald's Big Mac is a delicious hamburger, Amen. then what's the behavior that follows? You're going to get a Big Mac, right? <laughs> You're going to get a Big Mac, yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about spiritual growth, working toward an unshakable faith, it's really about building strong Christians who see increased victory over sin in their lives and aren't tossed to and fro by every new idea or bad circumstance in their right. lives. You know, P.T. Forsyth summed it up when he said, unless we have within us that which is above us, we will soon yield to that which is around us. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here's another thought. It's not all about creation. That's right. Some of you might be thinking, well, you know, CMI, our goal is to turn evolutionists into creationists, right? <laughs> Look, you can be a creationist, and when you die, go straight to hell. That's okay? true. Yeah. It's much more than just about origins. A proper understanding of Genesis and biblical creation provides a foundation for a consistent Christian worldview. That's right. I mean, if you think about it, there's a Christian view of everything. Yeah. There's a Christian view of, say, the afterlife, morality, purpose of life, geology, paleontology, the history of changes to the large-scale structure of the universe, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yes. <laughs> Having a consistent Christian worldview, including a consistent view of creation, actually begins with a high view of Scripture. That's where it all starts. A high view of God yep. is the key to resolving the creation-evolution debate and many other controversial topics. That's right. And, and you know, we said we weren't going to talk about biblical faith, the highest level of faith that God gives to Christians. But let's do that in the time we have left. Sure. Yep. So how does one become a Christian and thereby attain that biblical faith? Is there some chant or ceremony or certain set of tasks that you need to perform? Or maybe some experience you need to have to be a Christian? Let's clarify that because there's lots of, well, interesting ideas out there about how one becomes a Christian. Okay, all right. Let's talk about how to become a Christian within the context of, of today's topic, right. unshakable faith. Yeah, that's right. We've been talking about having reasonable faith. Going back to John chapter 20, he says that the things he recorded were written for a purpose. 
so that people might become Christians. That's right. So yeah. firstly, as, as we said earlier, it's about understanding certain truths about God, who he is, the nature of his relationship with his creation, and specifically mm -hmm. us. So let's start there. Right. And as one understands certain truths, there is an action to be taken in response to those truths. Yes. And we can turn to Scripture to see what response is required. One of the most famous examples comes right from the very first sermon ever preached in Christianity. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost stands up, gives a gospel message explaining how Jesus had fulfilled the prophecies about the Messiah and by his death and resurrection pays for sins and provides the foundation for everlasting life. Yes, so he provides information about Jesus just like John did in his gospel That's right. so they can make an informed decision. And it's extremely effective. That's right, yeah. The reaction of the people is recorded beginning in Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter's answer is, repeat this prayer after me. Um, no. No, actually. <laughs> oh. But that highlights a popular misconception today. Yes. It's the false idea that if you pray and ask Jesus into your heart, then you're a Christian for certain. Yet no one in the history of the world has ever become a Christian by praying a prayer. Right. Because that's not how you become a Christian. Nope. Praying what's called the, the sinner's prayer might be helpful in summarizing right. certain valuable truths, but yeah. it doesn't get you saved. No. no, it's not the prayer. What Peter actually said was repent. Repent. Everyone who has ever become a Christian has done so because they repented. Yes. That means they turn from their sin and turn to Christ. It's a change in behavior in response to believing the truth. Yes, and, and here are some of the key truths. Firstly, God is holy. Amen. The primary attribute of God is His holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's right. It means He's separated from all moral defilement and hostile toward it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Yes, God is love and, right. and many other things, but the Bible doesn't say he's love, love, love. Right. His holiness is a very important attribute. And we'll, we'll get to God's love in a minute. Right. And another key fact is that we are not holy. <laughs> yes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And everybody knows that, right? I mean, you might look good if you compare yourself to other people, but nobody's perfect. And sinless perfection is the standard that God requires. Yes. Jesus said, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And in Numbers 14, 18, it says, he will by no means clear the guilty. Yeah, and someone once addressed Jesus as good teacher. Right. And Jesus' response was, why do you call me good? That's right. There is no one good except God alone. There's nothing that anyone can do to make themselves good enough. Right. So at this point, we can all see the problem, right? <laughs> Everyone sins and is guilty before God. Yes. So no one is qualified to have a relationship with God and spend eternity with Him where there is no sin. We've all made ourselves enemies of God. And, and that is a serious predicament for every one of us. The, the correct and just penalty that everyone deserves for offending an infinitely holy God is that everyone should be punished infinitely in hell. Right. That's just, that it, it's right, it, it's terrible, it's awful, right. but that is the just verdict based on our crimes. That's, that's totally right, and Dr. R.C. Sproul brings these points together to this conclusion. He said, the most significant issue that any human being will ever face is the question, how can I escape the judgment of God? 
It's humanly impossible That's to right. escape the judgment of God. But God makes it possible. Right. He decreed that a substitute could take the judgment of God for our sin in our place so that the punishment each of us deserve for our own rebellion against God would be meted out on another. Right. And the only suitable substitute would need to be a blood relative of all humans going back going to back Adam. Going back to Adam, right? yeah. yeah. And be infinite in order to bear the infinite wrath of God. He would also need to be perfectly holy and obedient to God's just requirements. So God himself in Jesus Christ became human, yes. fully God, fully man, and willingly took the punishment for sin and was raised back to life after three days. Based on these facts, which of course need to be believed by faith, what is the appropriate behavior that follows this belief? Well, yeah, think about it. If someone saves your life, let, let's say you were drowning and someone saves you, you would be in that person's right, debt, of course. right? Your natural response would be to want to serve that person, yeah. to show the highest appreciation. But that's only temporary. That's right. right. You're still going to die eventually. Yeah. But Jesus saves you from an eternity in hell to an eternity with God. How much appreciation does he deserve? Right. So how do you become a Christian? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you will, will be, be saved. saved. Admit to him that you are a guilty, helpless rebel and ask him to save you and submit to him as Lord of your life, enabling you by his spirit to leave behind your sinful ways and live for him. Yeah, and that's a rational, logical response right. to the, the warranted or reasonable Christian faith. Turning to Christ will result in being given the highest level of faith, biblical faith that we talked about, right. which involves a relationship with the Creator and Savior of the world. Right. We hope that all of you consider your response to what God did to save you and turn to follow Him. For more details on these things, to flesh these things out more, Go to creation.com slash good news. Yeah, lots of good information there. Yeah. And so there are some thoughts about growing your faith toward making it unshakable. Yeah. Now, we'll see you next week. And remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports scripture. You've been listening to the podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out.